many know that uh, because of him who lives inside of you, you are a winner? It's not some kind of worldly thing. It's just that we have victory because of Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. And so I want to talk to you, but it's not just about being a winner. It's about what we're getting ready to say together, what this series is all about. If you have been at Heart of the City Church for two years or less, would you raise your hand? Two years or less. I want everyone to look around. Okay, so think about that just for a moment. Okay, so that was probably, I would say, close to the majority, close to it. I, I didn't count it. But with that, you understand why we're about to do the series that we are about to do. If you would put that up for me, I would appreciate that. Would you say this with me this morning? This is what the W is about. This is why we are going to do this series on three. One, two, three. We believe in who we are, what we do, where we are going, and why we do. That was beauty to my ears. If you would do this one more time. You see all the W's? Wonderful. Here we go on three. One, two, three. We believe in who we are, what we do, where we are going, and why we do. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. Father, I know it's power when we walk in unity as a church. It's powerful when we know who we are and why we do and what we do and what we believe. So I pray that you would breathe upon today and the days to come in this series upon every person here. Renew us and transform us. Let us be more like Jesus even today as we walk out of here. And everyone said, amen. amen. You can be seated. We believe in who we are what we do, where we're going, and why we do. Uh, when is to be successful or victorious in a conflict or a contest? I believe the more that we understand who we are, where we're going, what we do, et cetera, there's going to be powerful unity that's going to be involved at heart of the city church. Where there's unity, God does something. He commands something. He commands a blessing where there is unity. So the, the more that we can walk in unity, the more that we're going to be blessed. Sometimes you can be in church and you think you know everything about what's going on, and you might only come once a week to a weekend gathering, and you really not know everything that's going on at the church and in the gathering, and what the church is all about. Let me give you an example. Is that my neighbors back there? Hey, there's my neighbors. God bless you. So good to have you. That's so wonderful. Let me give you an example of you may not always know exactly everything that you think that you know. Is that fair? Friday, I walked out of the chiropractor and walked right over to the car, opened the door, got in the car. And as I'm getting in the car, I go, I wonder why Radine, why is milk in Radine's car? I didn't remember the milk being there. She had a function last night, but the milk's been there in there all night long. The, there's milk right here in the car. And then I'm sitting in the driver's seat, and there is a Native American artifact hanging from the mirror. <laughs> and I realize the milk's not ours, the artifact's not ours, the car is not ours. <laughs> I'm not even in the right car, man. 
I'm talking to my son at the same time. I'm like, Seth, I'm not, hey, I'm not in the right car. What do I do? He, he, he goes, just get out. Just, just, what do I do, though? He says, just leave. Just leave. I'm like, do I wait for someone? I felt so terrible that I'm setting up in someone's car. I'm like, did I unlock this car? I'm like, do I lock it back? But it didn't work, so it wasn't about locking or unlocking. I just got in the wrong car. Well, sometimes you may think that you know a lot about the church that you're involved in and where we're going and what we're doing, but you, you may not know everything that you need to know. So as I had you raise your hand, how many of those had been here two years or less? There was a majority of people. I noticed that last gathering too. So it's important. It's so vital that you know what we're doing. So for some of you, this is going to be a reminder. Maybe you've been in the church a long time and you just kind of put it on cruise and you've just been cruising. Well, it's going to be a reminder to you. For some of you, I think you're going to learn what we believe and it's going to be very vital and important that you understand what we believe and why we believe it. Number three, you're going to know who you are. I think it's important for you to understand when a person is in Christ, those that went water into water baptisms, they're new creation. For those who are in Christ, the Bible calls you sons and daughters. That's vital. You can live in this world and never have a relationship with Christ. Never know that you're a son or daughter. We're going to talk about who we are. And number four, we're going to talk about what we do. We're going to talk about what we do. One weekend, we're going to be talking about Father's Market on Thursdays and Celebrate Recovery and different ministries in the church and, and some of the things that we do. And it doesn't have to be here as a corporate gathering, but it could be some of the things that you do individually as a Christian. And then today, I'm not going in order, and there's a reason. Today, I want to begin with why we do. I, I was talking it over with our team, and our team was like, you should begin with why we do. It's important for you to understand why we do what we do. So today, I want to begin with the why. Why we do is so vital. It's so important for you to know why we do. You can just be doing stuff and do a lot of good things, but not really understand why you're doing those things. So I want to begin this series off with why we do what we do. The very number one uno reason why we do what we do is this word that you hear a lot about, the word love. Will you say that with me? Love. Everything that we do here at Heart of the City Church, the motivation of it is love. There's How many of you, I'm kind of old school, how many of you remember Waylon Jennings, <laughs> Willie Nelson, Waylon and Willie and the boys? They sang a song long time ago looking back Texas, and it, it started like this, uh, or, or at least it's in the song somewhere. It says this, maybe it's time we get back to the basics of love. We're going looking back Texas, wailing and Willie and the boys. Are you, you feeling me? So it's I don't agree with everything the song. I, I love songs. I sing a lot of songs. I don't always agree with all the song. I don't agree with everything in that song. But I do like the very part of it says, maybe it's time we get back to the basics of love, okay? I want you to understand what we do here, why we do what we do at Heart of the City Church is because of love. What I'm doing today, 
Because of love. Why do we give? We just receive tithes and offerings. Why do we give? We give because we love. If you give for any other reason, I think that you have a jacked up motive. I understand sowing and reaping in the Bible. I understand that you plant and whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. I understand all those things. But I think the ultimate goal and the ultimate motivation for giving is love. We honor the Father. We love the Father. We love what he does. We love the church. And we give out of a place of love. I want to read a three scriptures out of 1 Corinthians 13. How many know that you can use 1 Corinthians 13 for other things than other than weddings? I know you had it at your wedding, but you can use it for other things than weddings, all right? It's still the Bible for other. It's got beautiful things to say. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3 says this. If I could speak all the languages of the earth, of earth, and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong. How many remember the gong show? I'd be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, you may be the smartest dude in the house. You may have it down. You may have book sense. You may have, you may be genius, but it says, and if I had such faith that could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And if you read on in that chapter, Paul talks about it this way. He talks about faith, hope, and love, and he says this, love is the, come on, go with me, church. Love is the, one more time, love is the, if love is the greatest, if love is the greatest, and we know it is because God's word says it, then it has to be our greatest motive in all that we do at heart of the city church. Everything we do, why we do it is out of a place for love, a place for the love of God. And the place of a love for others. It has to be our motivation. All that we do, all that we say, it's all rooted. I would like to view it as this. The spine of Heart of the City Church is love. If you know anything about a spine, there's nerves that come out of it that's connected to the organs in your body. And as long as your spine's in good health and in good shape and lined up, what have you, those nerves are not pinched and they're doing what they need to do. There's one connected to your pancreas and one connected to your thyroid and one connected to your, all the different organs in this long. Well, listen, the spine of Heart of the City Church is love. And we do many things. And these roots or nerve endings are coming off of the spine of love. And we want to keep that spine healthy, the spine of Heart of the City Church. We want to keep it healthy because we want to always do things out of love. It's not out of you earning brownie points. If you were raised in a religious environment and you do what you do in order to gain the Father's love, I got news for you. He already loves you. God loves you just the way that you are. Now, you may not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you, you may need to be in a relationship with Jesus. You're going to have an opportunity to do that today, to receive Christ so you can be in a relationship with him. But I want to let you know today, if you know Jesus Christ, he loves you. He can't do anything else more to already show how much he loves you. You don't do things in order to gain God's love. No brownie points to gain his love. 
But why we do the things we do is because of this. It's a response. We respond to his love. My wife kisses me. I kiss her back. It's a response. I kiss her. She kisses me back. It's a response. God loves me. And man, it's impacted my life to know that I'm his son. I'm forgiven. I'm headed to heaven. He has a great plan for my life. And because of all the promises of the Father, I have a response to his love. And I do the things that I do out of love. My motives are not always perfect. But man, I want to adjust them so that I can do things out of love. Are you following me this morning? If you're doing good works, do good works. It's wonderful. But you need to, if, even if it's just this changing the distributed cap on your brain a little bit, just adjusting it a little bit, it's not because of earning. It's not because of brownie points, but it's because you're already loved. Jesus said this. He talked about a new commandment. I think it's easy to look over the new commandment that Jesus speaks of in the New Testament, and he says this, John 13, 34 code red. If you ever hear me code red and you're like, I don't know what that means in the heart of the city church culture. It means that Jesus said it. Code red, John 13, 34 says, a new commandment I give to you. Everyone say new. new. Perk your ears up. Jesus has given us a new commandment. He says this, that you love one another. This is a new commandment, Jesus says, that you love one another, but he takes it to another place. He says this, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Wow. Why is that so powerful? It's not what a man says that you follow their value system. I can watch a per let me watch a person for a week. I can, I can tell you what their value system, not by what they say, but what they do. A man does what he says, and he says what he does. That's what they value. A man values what he does, not what he says, but he values what he does. So I can watch a man or a woman and see what they value by their action. You follow me? So you can follow Jesus' preaching and his teaching, but you can ultimately follow what he did to find out what Jesus valued. So what did he value? He valued you and I. He valued you and I to be in a relationship with you and I because he ultimately died for you and I. That's the ultimate value. So he says, new commandment, love one another like I have loved you. How did he love us? Let me read another scripture, John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That's the way that Jesus loved you and I. I think love has a sound I think love can be seen. I think love is a verb. It's an action. If you think about, for example, a beautiful story. I love the story of the Good Samaritan. Good Samaritan, all of a sudden, a Jewish man was beat up, left for dead. I mean, wow. A guy walks by him. I think it was a Levi. And guess what? The Levi just kind of walked on the other side of the road. You got to understand the Levi is a Jew and the dude that's beat up is a Jew. But the religion, the, the religion didn't save the dude. You follow me? Yeah. And another guy of the same culture passed by him, didn't do anything. But a Samaritan, a Samaritan which Jews had no interaction with Samaritan people. Matter of fact, they would walk all the way around the country not to walk through Samaria. And a Samaritan came, started helping this guy, taking care of his wounds, restoring the guy. 
left money to take care of him, put him up in a motel, on and on and on. Can somebody say love? Coming to church doesn't mean that you love. Being religious doesn't mean that you love. It's according to what our actions. Love is a decision and love is a choice. Are you following me today? But let me say this. Our main motive of all that we do at Heart of the City Church has to be love. If not, I think people's going to see through that. And by the way, it's weird. Amen? <laughs> Which leads me into the next one. Okay, there's a few things that I chose today, but every motive of everything that I chose to preach on today, when it comes to why we do, I'm going to hit on some very special whys we do's. Terrible grammar, great faith. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I get away from, I'm from the South. Here we go. Here we go. We's preach. Everyone say preach. Why do you preach, J.O.? I believe every person at Heart of the City Church should be a preacher. J.O., that's left up to you. No, it's not. That's wrong thinking. It's not Bible thinking. You're called to be a preacher. You can preach like someone else. You can preach like, you need to preach like you. You don't have to preach like me or Radine or anybody. You need to preach like you. But we're all called to preach. If you ever walk out of here and go, you know what? The Great Commission is left up to you, J.O. I got news for you. You can't stand before Jesus and go, oh, it's left up to some pastor, some minister. It's not the way it ever was meant to be. God wants to raise up a generation of preachers. What is preaching? It means that we publicly proclaim the good news. We do that in many forms and fashions. You know, a lot of times I preach the gospel from this stage right here. It's not the only place I preach the gospel, but it's one of the places I preach the gospel. We're all different, and he, he calls us to preach. If he wanted you to go into all the world and email the world, he would have told you email. If he wanted you to go and tweet the world, he would have told you to Twitter. If he wanted you to go into all the world and snail bell the world or snail mail the world, he would tell snail. But he says this, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What does preaching do? Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. When you preach, it ignites faith in the hearts of people. When their faith is ignited, guess what? They can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They may be convinced or they may get mad at you. And turn away from you. That's not your job. You know what your job is? Is to preach the good news. That is the great commission. It's not a great suggestion. Don't make it the great omission. We're each called, according to the scriptures, to preach the gospel. Jesus, on the day that he stood up, to, it was his day and time to speak in the synagogue. He, he read from the book of Isaiah. And I'm going to read what he read out of Luke, but it's the same what he read out of Isaiah. And it says this, what he read out of Isaiah, Luke 4, 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to what? All right, church, you got to go with me. Come on, come on, come on. He's anointed me to what? Preach. To the poor. He's anointed. You tell your neighbor right now you're anointed. Tell him also you're appointed. Tell him, one, tell him something else. You're selected. Tell him, tell him, tell him, you're elected. If you're a believer today, God has selected you. He's elected you. He's anointed you. Uh, uh, Jail, I, I, I play golf. I don't preach. You better preach and play golf. Last week, I talked about being a dual threat. 
You have no excuse. Nehemiah was a cupbearer, but he had an upward call in Christ. He had an upward call in God to go to restore the walls of Jerusalem. You may still sell real estate, but you're also a preacher of the gospel. You are a dual threat. If you didn't hear that last week, I encourage you to check that out. But we're called to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives, to recover the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Can somebody say, preach, preacher? Look at your neighbor right there and say, preach, preacher. He has, and we do it out of a motivation of love. Always that, that nerve ending out of the spine, a part of the city church has got to be love. Look at the next one. Everyone say freedom. Jesus so wants people to be free, free from addictions, free from mindsets, wrong strongholds that keep you. You can come to church every day of the week and be in bondage. You can be in church on Sunday and be in porn on Saturday. Oh, Jay, I don't like that. Well, I'm just having news for you. The devil is all about, he is a great binder. He's all about putting you in bondage. And Jesus come to set the captive free. He wants to use you and I in the area of freedom. Listen to what the Bible says, Galatians 5.1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Look at your neighbor and say, stay free. And don't get tied up against slavery to the law. Look what 2 Timothy 2.26 says. This is powerful. Listen, listen to what the enemy wants to do to you, and he may have already done it. And if he has, we want to see you free. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Got a question for you. How many of you want to be taken captive by the devil to do his will? Nobody. Two people first service accidentally raised their hand. They're like, ah! You should hear the whole scripture out or the whole question. Yeah! <laughs> Jesus came to set people free. Guess what? He uses man. He uses women. He uses you and I to help people be set free. The Bible says knowing the truth will set you free. Knowing truth. That's what set people, not knowledge. Smartest dude in here. Listen, you can be in bondage. <laughs> Truth is what sets people free, knowing the truth in your heart and in your guts. Seeing people set free out of love. If they know you love them, they're going to listen to you. Huh? The next one, say this with me, equip. One of my jobs, too, is equip you. I hope that I do it out of love. I hope my motives are right. But I'm called to equip you for the work of the ministry. That's what the fivefold ministry is all about, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, evangelist, preacher, teacher, are here to equip you for what? To come and set on your rear ends on Sundays. No. Huh? We're here to equip you to do what? The work. Everyone say work. Of the what? Of the ministry. 
right? That's what Ephesians 4.12 says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I want to do it out of a place of motivation of love. I tell you, there's many ways that you can be equipped, not just on Sunday. But you can be equipped by weekend gatherings like this, or you can be equipped in a city group, going to a city group. I was in city group Wednesday morning. It was absolutely powerful. You can be equipped at a city group. How about in heart school? Heart school, I encourage you, if, you're, if you want to take a, a class at heart school, you can be equipped. God wants you to be armed and dangerous. He wants you to be lethal uh, weapons against the kingdom of darkness. Okay? So he wants to equip you. He wants to add to you. He wants to transform you. You can go to the CR. What's CR about? Celebrate recovery. For those who have hurts, hang-ups, problems, habits. Come on. CR Friday night. Come on, somebody. One-on-one uh, -on -one discipleship. Listen to what the Bible says, Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like this world. That's what it's saying. Don't be formed. Don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed. What's transform mean? It means metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. I'm so glad. I'd rather be a fly than a maggot any day. And that's, some, that's an animal that metamorphoses. We love to use the butterfly. No, no longer a caterpillar, but a, what a butterfly, right? That's metamorphosis. He wants to metaphor. How, how, how are we metaphor? How are we transformed? We're transformed, it goes on to say, by the renewing of your mind. I have a brain. But my mind is going to tell my brain what to do. My brain is this matter. But my mind is going to tell my brain what. I'm not just going to let my mind do whatever it wants to do. And I want my mind to be renewed by what? God's living word, his truth. Be renewed by your mind that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and the will of God. is. Jay, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. Well, I tell you what. I think your mind needs to be renewed according to the scriptures. You may not get the whole the whole piece, you may not get the whole purpose, but you can get parts of it because he wants to speak to you. I think that we're all in a process. Like last night, a lady got born again. There was two people last night that gave their life to Christ, and it was so cool. One of them was getting water baptized today. Isn't that beautiful? Person's born again. They go down in the waters. What's the waters represent? The tomb of Jesus. And then you come up out of the water in the newness of Christ. And then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit that John the Baptist spoke of that Jesus would do. And Jesus, John the Baptist, also talked about the baptism of fire. All this is process in order for you and I to be equipped. Are you with me? Out of love. Look at the next one. We serve, listen to me real good, heart of the city church. We serve the poor. We want it always to be a motivation out of love, but we serve the poor in this house. Okay? Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 8. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother but you shall open your hand wide to give him to wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need whatever he needs now that's in Deuteronomy guess what we're under this thing called grace now guess what grace does grace raises the bar did you know that 
He doesn't, Jesus doesn't lower the bar and says, oh, just jump over this. Jesus is about, we don't, we don't lower the standards of the word of God. We want to jump to them. Okay. And so we want to serve the poor. Now, poor is not always finances. You may be right now, there may be a millionaire in here or billionaire. But if you don't know Jesus, you're poor in spirit. I like to say it this way. Jesus wants to touch people from welfare to millionaire and everything in between. Because a person that doesn't know Christ personally, I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about what you did when you were 12. I'm talking about a day-to-day relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's not happening, you are poor of spirit. So we want to serve you too. But we also want to serve people who are practically poor. Right now, you're struggling in a lot of areas of your life. It's like, wow, J.O., you know, all, it's all about me. You're, you're a country song. It's all about me. It's all about my. It's all about I, I, I. You know what you probably need to do? You, you probably need to serve. The greatest in the kingdom is our city group. I see Matt right there. Our city group got to serve at Father's Market. Uh, it was two Thursdays ago, and it was off the hook, man. We had a blast. I'm not saying everyone that comes to heart of uh, Father's Market is poor. I don't know. It seems like there's some really uh, people who are struggling there financially. I just encourage you, this house serves the poor. Amen? This house worships. Say that with me, worship. Let me backstep for a moment, reverse. We serve the poor out of love. Not out of works, not out of brownie points, but out of, you can do it out of works as long as it's good works unto the Lord. Nothing wrong with good works. We just don't do it to earn God's love or earn salvation. Okay, that's, that's taken care of. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. No one is saved. You're saved only by grace. Not you being cute or good or nice or any of those things. We worship. Everyone say worship. We worship in this house. You may come here and you go, man, that place was loud. There was a few people dancing up and down, doing the holy hip-hop. There was people that are kind of loud. They're clapping. They're raising their hands. Everyone say worship. worship. We worship. Now, worship is more than music. Worship is more than praise. How you treated your wife on the way to church this morning is worship. Okay, those, those things are, worship is something very, very beautiful. But we do worship in this house with music. We do worship it with high praise and, and worshipful music. And, and we, we do things and we do raise our hands. Why? Because Bible, Psalms, Psalms teaches us of worship. David danced before the Lord with all of his might. I think we can do a little holy hip hop. We raise our hands, we raise our voices. You know, if, if this is your worship right here. Well, that's about all you're going to get. Because there's theology in our worship. What do you mean theology? It's teaching of, of the word. Psalms 22, God, he is inhabits the worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. So when you come in here and you engage in worship and somebody's beside you like this, but you're <laughs> God's invading your space. Because he looks upon the heart of a man. He looks upon the heart of a woman. And he's going to meet with you right where you are. 
You're talking about a prophetic atmosphere in this place. When, when we begin to worship, the whole church, wor- I mean, really worships. And all of a sudden, God's in the house. And you're like, wow, no longer principal presence. What do you mean by that? Two or more are gathered. I'm talking about the manifested presence of God. God's there. It's like you can cut it like a like pie. Like, wow, with ice cream. We worship here because we love. Amen. You with me? Here's the next one, generational church. We're a generational church. What do you mean by that, J.O.? From the womb to the tomb. It's not all about being just reaching those who are 25. Somebody asked me one time, uh, when you plant the church, what, what, what age group are you going to go to? What, what, what age group? We're going with for all age groups. Heaven is from the womb to the tomb. All ages. Right now, I guarantee you, you have kids back in kids' church. They're not being babysitted. They're being equipped. They're being downloaded into. They're being, their, their, their lives are going to be changed. Why? Because we put a lot of emphasis on Generation Church. Jesus was about his father's business at 12 years old. He got lost. Where was he at? He was asking, I can imagine this, Jesus asking a question. But he was asking a question. And he was listening to the elders of the temple and so forth and so on. So we're all about Generation Church. Wednesday night youth, Thursday night young adults, all ages, 70, 80. I mean, Abraham's, Abraham's having babies at 100. Come on, somebody. Sarah's laughing. It's like, no joke, Sarah. You're going to have a baby, woman. <laughs> And another thing, generational churches, listen to me, is this church is not all about dudes. It's not all about the men fighting. Oh, it's just a church full of men. Nope. It's not about just men. It's not about just women. It's a church that fights with the whole army. We don't fight with half an army at Heart of the City Church. Why would we ever fight with half an army when we can fight with the whole army? It's all about men. It's all about women. It's all about all ages, all creeds. Come on. That's heaven. Come on, somebody. We don't believe in a junior anointing. Oh, God, they're not really anointed till they're 25. Show me that. Anointing is knowing Jesus and being in his presence. Jesus was anointed at 12. Come on, David at 15 was fighting jungle breath Goliath. Shadrach, Meshach, and Josiah, eight years old, said in his king. Look at Esther. She was probably a teenager when she went through what she, from the womb to the tomb. Come on, Generation Church. Let me talk about these last two. Somebody say heaven. heaven. I'm going to tell people about heaven because I love them. I'm going to tell them something about something else too in a minute, but I'm going to tell them about heaven. Heaven is an actual place. Heaven is just not some made-up Hollywood thing. Heaven is real. Uh, the Bible talks of, I think, of three heavens. There's the, the first heaven where there's air, sky, clouds, first heaven. Then you have the second heavens. You have the heavens where Pluto is and Mars and, and the place I've never been. And then you have a third heaven where Paul went. And Paul went to the third heaven. I believe third heaven is where God is, angels, and where every person who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be. To be absent in this body is to be present with the Lord. Listen to me. You are an eternal being. You're going to live forever. 
You may not even believe that. I don't care if you believe it. I'm telling you the truth today. You're going to live forever. And it's very important that you live in the right place. You want to live in a place called paradise. You want to live in a place called heaven. You want to be with your heavenly father. I tell you what, it's okay if it's like 70 years, but I'm not talking about 70 years. I'm talking about 70 million years, 70 billion years. You're eternal. Amen, somebody. Somebody say heaven. A place where there's no more death. There's no more. He wipes every tear from our eyes. No more cancer. No, 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 no more mental illness. No more any. Boy, that's a taste of heaven right there. Free from sin, free from bondage, free from fear. So I'm going to tell people about heaven because I love them, but I'm going to tell them about something else too. I'm going to tell them about a place called hell. Don't put your head down and get all awkward on me because I'm going to talk about a place called hell for the next few minutes. Because hell is a actual place. Let me say this in the beginning. Jesus desired none to perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not, should not perish. God desires none to go to this place called hell. Jesus made a perfect way that only he could do so that no one would ever have to go to hell. But it's our duty to preach. Somebody say preach. The good news to let people know about heaven and hell and so that they never have to end up going there. Hell was not made for man. Hell was not made for you and I. Let me, let me prove it to you for a moment. Let me read this scripture, Matthew 25, 41. Then he said also, say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, look, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. Do you know who spoke more about hell than anyone else in the Bible? Everyone say Jesus. Now vape on that a little bit. He, listen, Jesus spoke about hell more than anybody else in the Bible. Why? Because it's so important. He doesn't want any, I don't want any friend. I don't want even someone that I don't know to ever end up there. By the way, you're not going to party in hell. There is no parties in hell. Zero parties in hell. Let me give you a description, a biblical description of hell just for a moment. Uh, Matthew 13, 15, blazing fire, weeping, gnashing of teeth. Why would you preach about this? Well, Jesus talked about it more than anyone else. I could intellectually stand up here and tickle your ears and say, well, if God is so loving, how could there ever be a hell? I could go universal on you in a heartbeat and deceive you. I don't want to deceive anyone. I want to preach the truth in love. Are you with me? If we don't share people about hell, what if they end up in hell and it's my fault? I have to take on that responsibility. And that's a fact. So, Here's some more description, Matthew 25, 41, everlasting fire, Revelation 20, I'm sorry, 19, 20, fiery lake burning sulfur, Mark 9, 41, this, this one's a scary, 9, uh, 44, Mark, 
worm does not die, fire is not quenched. Okay, if I'm kind, Jael, if I'm the, the kindest person on the face of the earth, would I end up in hell? If you don't know Jesus, you will end up in hell. The only way, because we're all sinners. Let me, let me prove that to you for a minute. How many people's ever lied before? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand right now, you're lying. <laughs> so you just lied. So you just sinned. Right? So we all sin, fall short of the glory of God. Amen? So, so let's say that if you're the, the nicest person in the world. I got to tell you right now, I'm not the nicest person in the world. I want to be nicer. But let's say you're the nicest person in the world. Would you go to hell without Jesus? Yes, you would. Amen. What if you're a humanitarian, humanitarian, just a wonderful person, liberal Democrat? Right? Without Jesus, you'll go to hell. What if you're a right-wing conservative Republican? Without Jesus, you will go to hell. Are you following me? I want to make it very clear. I don't want no one at Heart of the City Church ever to come in here and go, he didn't tell me about it. He didn't tell me about it. Jesus spoke of it. I didn't create it. Okay? I'm not pumped about talking about hell. It's a little bit awkward. But I want to get by it because it's so important. Because God desires none to go there. He loved you so much that he made the perfect way for you through Jesus Christ. Amen?